is Jared and the GM on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. He's the GM Floyd Reese. And I think it's well established on this show that I am very nosy. Fair to say? Oh, yes. So today, Floyd pulls out a yellow piece of paper. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, we got the morning show because they don't clean up their crap in and here. And I just threw it on the desk. Yeah, you this just threw yellow the yellow piece, piece of paper. Of paper. <laughs> so because the morning show doesn't clean their crap up, we got about 500 base pieces of paper. It looks like someone just threw them up in the air. Uh, then you got my stack of papers right here that lets you know that we're from the Game National Studios presented by Wholesale Inc., uh, in Mount Juliet, powered by RumbleOn.com. So I got my little stack of papers, which always end up recycled on Ryan's desk every day. And then all of a sudden, I see this yellow piece of paper on the table. And I'm thinking, what does Floyd have? What does Floyd have that is perfectly uh, folded up so that I can't see what's in it on this yellow piece of paper? And I'm thinking, you know, this could be like a, a trade or a, you know, John Robinson's got some ideas and Floyd's got written down some phone numbers, the guys to call. I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out what this is. So, of course, I ask Floyd what it is. And Floyd just sits there and does his chuck. I knew, I knew, I was gonna get you on that one. And so then, so then, an then hour I just later, put it in my pocket. Yeah, didn't say anything. Yeah, just shove it in your pocket. <laughs> then an hour later, I'm like, Floyd's three things coming up next. And Floyd pulls out the yellow piece of paper and goes, "My three things." <laughs> and I'm like, "Gosh, should have thought about that. I can't believe I didn't think about that." Oh, so, without further ado, it is time for the GM's three things. Three up, three down. Three things Floyd wants to see against Carolina. Three things he does not on Sunday. Of course, we start with three up. The first thing Floyd wants to see. Number one. Uh, I think the absolute most important thing last week and very well could be the most important thing this week was uh, our efficiency in the red zone, both on offense and defense. Defense did an outstanding job of letting them move up and down the field a little bit and gaining some yards, but forcing them to kick field goals in the end, uh, in the red zone. And the opposite of that was our offense got outstanding field position by the turnovers and and um, were able to score touchdowns. And so what, you know, you don't have to, that exchange doesn't have to happen too many times. You're scoring touchdowns, they're scoring field goals uh, until you're in pretty good shape and end up winning the game. So I thought that that was outstanding and that needs to continue. Wish I had pulled up what Tampa, I mean, what Carolina is in the red zone, because uh, I don't know if they're a great red zone defense team. But with that defensive line against the Titans' offensive line with Ben Jones out, I do worry about Tannehill and how much time he'll have to develop some of these plays when oh, they get yeah. inside the red zone. But getting to the red zone is obviously going to be kind of one of the bigger things. What's the second thing? Number two. Second thing and and the most important thing last week and most important that plus uh, most important thing in most games uh the the plus minus turnover ratio that we had last week that was just outstanding. You know, we we got a series of turnovers. We got a series of turnovers that put us in great position. I mean, we we at the end of the first half, we had 70 yards offense and we had uh, what, 17 points, 14 points, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had the win, um, and, uh, you know, uh, on our way to a win but because of those turnovers. And the other side of that is where, you know, Derek had his, his issue, but I that will not be common for him. 
And so if we go ahead and continue on offense to take care of the ball. So at the end of the game, you look at the turnovers and they've got four and you've got one or zero. You're probably going to win that game. And the third thing you want to see. Number three. The third thing I thought that really, really helped us last week was we had we used a variety of receivers. And they weren't the same receivers that we used the week before because they, you know, tried to get themselves in a position where they could take those guys away. Forced you to throw the ball inside. And fortunately, you know, between um, between our slot and our tight ends, we got some some production. Um, Ferkser even came in there and made a play or two. Uh, but Janu, of course, and, and Humphreys were, were uh, really important parts and needed to be because that's where the ball needed to go. So, um, you know, this, depending on what they do this week, we'll adapt and, and get the ball to, you know, the open guy. What do we know about their secondary? James Bradbury has three interceptions on the season. Ross Cockrell, the uh, the DB who used to be in Pittsburgh for all those years, he has two interceptions, and Dante Jackson has two interceptions. And I'm not sure I really know much of any of those guys except for Ross Cockrell, but Bradbury, three picks so far in seven games. Yeah, I mean, they, they historically are, are um, pretty good turnover-wise in the secondary. Now, I think I looked at their plus-minus ratio uh, yesterday morning, and they're down the list a little bit. I mean, you know, where we're at a like a plus-four or plus-six, I think they're like at a, a minus-four or minus-six. And so, you know, they're they're not getting as many turnovers as, as they would like, and they are uh, turning it over a little bit more than they would like. Now, of course, last week didn't help them because they had all those turnovers. But uh, um, generally speaking, the quarterback's been pretty careful with the ball. Now we go three down, three things the GM does not want to see on Sunday against the Panthers. Let's start with number one. Number one. Uh, the first thing is we're going to have to eliminate big plays to McCaffrey and Olsen. And the reason I use those guys is because that that's kind of been our sore spot. You know, covering running backs inside and and them getting the ball and being able to to gain extra yards with it. Tight ends are constantly a thorn on our side. Uh, and Greg Olson, of course, is a is a wily vet, and he's he's somebody that they can get the ball to and count on. Hasn't been quite as productive as he has in the past, but still, um, still a a weapon. And we're going to have to eliminate any big plays to those guys, especially to the running back. And he's going to get his. I mean, he's going to gain yards. And to be honest with you, I mean, he can gain a hundred yards in between the 20s, and as long as he doesn't score, we're probably going to win. So um, we have got to eliminate big plays of those guys. I'm with you on that. The big plays in McCaffrey, they will kill. And we talked about that last week with Evans, and Evans killed John the yeah, big play. Yeah. The second thing. Uh, number two. Number two for me is uh, we can't have any bad pass protection, and this is going to be critical. Because as we talked about before, their their defensive line is is pretty good. We know that, uh, and and it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be a battle for this this young offensive line. However, it's put together. But I mean, uh, you know, for us to get where we need to get, 
we've got to win some of these up front at some point in time or we're never going to get there. You know, you're just not going to get there if you can't protect your quarterback uh, and get yourself to a point you can run the ball a little bit because of the offensive line. So, uh, you know, it's looking like I'm not sure how much it's going to change from from now to the end of the season, assuming everybody can stay healthy. So these guys are going to have to put on their big boy pants, get this thing done. Bow up. Now what's funny is you say you don't want to see any breakdowns in pass protection. How likely are we to see some breakdowns in pass protection? Well, I mean, I don't, I, I, you know, we're going to get, they're going to get some sacks. You know, they get two or three sacks. I mean, that's probably not going to be earth shattering, but they get 11, you know, then you're going to be. Which we've seen? Yes. We've seen. Now, now you're in trouble. The final thing you don't want to see. Number three. The final thing is poor tackling. Uh, to me, it's going to be so important to be able to tackle these guys. And again, I haven't even really mentioned their receivers, people that are outside, simply because I think, generally speaking, we can compete with those guys. And I feel pretty good about about the, our back end against their receivers, as long as we don't go through a series of missed tackles. Um, McCaffrey's going to get in the open with the ball in his hands. And if you take a bad angle or if if you miss a tackle, in his particular case, it goes from a 15-yard gain to a touchdown. I mean, that's how important tackling is going to be with this guy. And uh, and you may and, only get one lick at him, too. Yeah, you're not going to get another You miss that one, yeah, one crack you have, he's gone. He can outrun you, too. So uh, it's going to be very, very important that if you get a chance to put a hat on him that you do that. Uh, and wrap him up, make sure you get him on the ground, because if you don't, it, 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 you know, it may cost you seven points. Those are Floyd's three things, three things the GM wants to see, three things the GM does not want to see. As you know, every Titans Monday at 5, we have Floyd's three things, the three things he liked and the three things he didn't like. And I believe that it may be moved up this week, because don't the Predators play at Detroit? And isn't Detroit, for some odd reason, on Eastern time, so that may move up Floyd's three things. 30-minute difference. I think it's a, yeah. So we can do Floyd's, th- I mean, I'm sorry to have a production meeting on the air right now, but we could do Floyd's three things at five and then do Predators game day right after that. So there you go. Uh, as we figure out what we're going to do Monday right here on Jared and the GM. Coming up next, ESPN.com has a Titans player who they say has a ton riding on the line for the rest of this season. Does it make any sense now? We'll get to that next. Jared and the GM from the uh, Wholesale Inc. studio powered by RumbleOn.com. Did you know an estimated 1.2 million people in the United States are living with or are in remission from a blood cancer? Join ESPN The Game National for the Light the Night Walk at Nissan Stadium tonight. You could be the difference in saving a life by being a part of the 2019 Light the Night Walk. For more details, to be a part of the event or to contribute, visit lightthenight.org slash event slash Nashville. Jared and the GM. It's ESPN 1025 The Game. Offensively with Tennessee, Tannehill, Mariota, is there uh, – Tannehill projected to be the starter, but is there is there a guy that sets them apart and makes them go one way or the other? Well, I, I think they're, they're, they're different style quarterbacks where you see Mariota's more apt to, to, to run with the football. You see a lot of bootlegs with him, counteractions with him, uh, zone read stuff or where he could potentially pull it and keep it. You don't see as much with, with Tannehill. You do see some boots, but I don't think, you, you, I don't think you'll get as many. And Tannehill's more of a, a pure pocket passer from what I see. Or I think he stays in the pocket a little bit more than, than, than Mariota did. 
Um, but they, they do what they do. I mean, you know, if, if, if depending on who we get, we'll, we'll try and anticipate what we think they're going to do with them. But they're very similar in terms of what they do. I don't see that much of a difference on tape uh, other than, like I said, some of the zone reads and bootleg stuff. Riverboat Ron talking about the Titans' two quarterbacks. And I do love the Carolina media. I mean, I know Tannehill's projected to start. And I'm thinking to myself, Ryan Tannehill is the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. Like, he may be renting the position. But that would be like next week. Well, I mean, next week is kind of a question mark as to who may start a quarterback for Kansas City. And it will be one that we're going to watch. But, like, last week it wasn't Jameis is projected to start for Tampa Bay. What do you think of Jameis? You know, <laughs> like we all knew Jameis. So, they're, you know, Tannehill's projected to start. But what do you think of the two guys? So, again, Ryan Tannehill is the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. Marcus Mariota, for all I, to me, the Titans have broken up with Marcus Mariota. Now, it's not official, and it's like a divorce, and, you know, it takes time for the paperwork to go through. And they could get back together. Mariota could somehow be back in there, and he could light it up. But, in my opinion, the Titans and Mariota are headed for a divorce. And maybe it'll be amicable, because both sides have handled it well. But ESPN has the players and coaches who have the most to gain and to lose. And so, for example, the top of the list, Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago, that in the second half of the year, Trubisky has the most to gain and the most to lose. I think you and I could probably agree with that. Although, I'll be honest, I find Chicago to be very boring. I have not watched a lot of their games, but I, Trubisky gets a ton of heat for that football. The, this is the the guys that have the biggest at risk Yeah, is it over the the remaining eight games. Essentially, yeah. Okay. Jameis Winston, Tampa Bay. I think we can agree with that, although Jameis may be running out of chances. Uh, other names on the list, Melvin Gordon, uh, Hunter Henry, Vic Beasley, Jadevian Clowney. Like, so a lot of names in there. And then Marcus Mariota. And it says, quote, Speaking of Mariota, his future looks perilous. The Titans benched him after two consecutive dismal starts for Ryan Tannehill, who has responded by leading the team to consecutive wins over the Chargers and the Jags. That's not right, the, the Chargers and the Bucks. But ESPN writes the Jags. Tannehill hasn't been incredible as he's posted a total QBR of 49.3, taken sacks more than 10% of the time and thrown a pick in each of his first two starts. But he has breathed life into the passing game that was desperate, dis- depressingly conservative. Mariota, meanwhile, ranks last in QBR amongst qualifying starters at 31.7. The famous stat that people tossed around with Mariota for years until 2018 was that he had never thrown a red zone interception. This seemed like a blessing, but it was really a reflection of his biggest flaw. He doesn't take enough risks to succeed. Tennessee's line isn't great, but Mariota's sack rate over the past two years has grown to a crippling 12%. To NFL's next-gen research, just 13.3% of Mariota's passes over the past two seasons have been thrown into a tight window, the third lowest amongst quarterbacks. Yada, yada, yada. And he writes, It would probably take nothing short of a second playoff victory for the Titans to bring Mariota back as their starter in 2020. If he pulled that off, it wouldn't be entirely unexpected to see the Titans use their franchise tag for their former second overall pick. So let's stop there. That is so if, if, if. So Mariota would have to get the starting job back, which would probably be from an injury to Tannehill, and then probably win every game that he plays, including a playoff game, and then you would franchise him? I mean, to me, it sounds like Tannehill should be on the list 
and not Mariota. Because at least Tannehill has a shot to really do some damage for his name, both positively and negatively, over the next eight games. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But they put Marcus on the list over Tannehill? Well, I think they're thinking, you know, if Marcus were to get back in. I mean, it's, that's a giant if right now, but but it could happen. I mean, let's face it. You know, you go out there this weekend and get dinged and, you know, be on IR or something, and all of a sudden Marcus is the, the guru. So, uh, but There's I nothing mean, to say I'm, Marcus won't be back in there, and Tannehill does have an injury history, and he gets sacked all the time because the Titans' line's not great. So, yeah, I mean, it's, like, I mean, it's possible that Mariota gets back in there, I just don't think that unless, like, like, like to me, when you've got something to gain, you'll have the opportunity to gain it. And I'm not convinced Marcus will have that opportunity to be able to gain what oh, he needs if, to get. Yeah, I mean, if Tannehill has anything to say about it, I mean, he won't get another chance. You know, Tannehill's going to be the guy for the next eight weeks. But, you know, I mean, I don't. You know, he uh, he would have to play poorly in a in a couple of games for for Marcus to get another shot, in my opinion. Oh, Marcus's yeah. best chance at another shot is Tannehill getting hurt. Yeah, or injury. You know, because I don't think Tannehill's going to play poorly enough to have Vrabel make a second quarterback change in the same season. Yeah, he's going to have to play poorly in a couple of games. Vrabel does not seem to me to be a guy who wants to change a quarterback. He doesn't. I can assure you, and I, and I agree with it. You know, you made the decision. Let's go. And don't go back on it, and so on and so forth. I, I wonder why Clowney's on that list. Hey, did Clowney sign a big deal with Seattle? Well, no. So he's a free agent, so maybe they want Clowney to get some sacks. Well, to, yeah, but Seattle traded a what? They traded two players for, and a third? Yeah, I mean, that's they gave up. And didn't they give up a first? No. Clowney had no... The, the Texans had no leverage on Clowney because... They waited so long to trade him because mm. they remember they had that whole story about Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien disagreeing as to what to do with Clowney, and Brian Gain wanted to give him a long-term deal, and O'Brien didn't, and that was where they butted heads that led to Brian Gain being fired. Uh, but no, that's what made it so interesting was was when they traded the twenty twenty third to get Jerry on Connolly to play corner for the Texans. Somebody said essentially the Texans traded Jadevian Clowney and got Jerry on Conley in return. Gary on Conley or or whatever the guy's name is. Tough week for the Titans. If they can win, though, at least one of the teams between uh Houston and Jacksonville will tie this week when they play in London. Now, Ian brought up the really good question earlier today, which is if you're a Titans fan, do you root for them to tie? In London, like, what do you root for in this case? <laughs> Me, personally, I root for the Jags to win in London just because I think the Texans are the better team. So I want the Texans to lose more so that it'll be less to catch up on with the Texans than I'll have to be worried about the Jags. The other disappointing element to this is the Colts get the Steelers this week, and I don't have a lot of faith in the Steelers being able to pull off the upset. When did the Steelers play? Indianapolis. Sunday night? No, Sunday at noon. No, T.Y. Hilton, though. He's out three to four weeks. Really? He's starting starting to get... Jeez, why can't we ever be that lucky? (laughs) 
doggone it. I mean, he's starting to he's starting to get a little he's starting to get a little excited. You know, I mean, it's uh, not when he plays us. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know he what you're didn't saying. Have a great game. But when he plays us, he shines. Jeez. Killer. Do you have any faith the Steelers can pull off the upside? I mean, I know you probably say, sure, I mean, it's the NFL. But outside of sure, it's the Where's NFL. Where's it played? At Pittsburgh. Yeah, there you go. Be outside. Could be all kinds of weather. Could be, you know, all the things that they're not used to. Boy, I bet TV is so mad about that game. Coming into the season, they thought they were going to get luck versus Big oh, Ben. yeah. And now they there got Brissett go. <laughs> versus the Steelers. And it's just like, no Thank you. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Coming up next on a wretched slate of college football games, there are three big ones I want to discuss. We'll do that coming up next. Hey, the Winter Classic Flyaway celebrations beginning Monday. ESPN one zero two five. The game is sending one lucky listener and a guest to Dallas with the Winter Classic Celebration Flyaway starting Monday. Listen for your cue to call and qualify for a chance to win the grand prize, which includes round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, a pair of tickets to see Leonard Skinner at the American Airlines Center on New Year's Eve, a pair of tickets to the Winter Classic as the Predators take on the Dallas Stars at the Cotton Bowl on Wednesday, January 1st. The winner will be announced on Friday, November 15th, right here on Jared and the GM. Prizes courtesy of Outback Concerts. For more details, visit thegamenashville.com. Good luck to everyone trying to win that. Jared and the GM on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. It is ESPN 1025, the game. Hiller, plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical. Guess what, folks? It's cold outside. I hope your heating is working. Mine's working perfectly. Why? Because I'm a member of the Happy Hiller Club, which means that Hiller comes to my home to check up and make sure that everything is working properly, and that's one of the many reasons that I absolutely love and adore Hiller. You will, too. It's very simple to get started. If you have a big problem or if you just need to schedule a tune-up, go online, happyhiller.com, and schedule your appointment, and it will get done. You've seen that happy face truck all over town, trained technicians everywhere. That's what's great about Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. They've got an average 4.8 at a five-star rating and offer true transparency pricing on top of free second opinions. That's Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical, Proud supporters of the National Predators and the Tennessee Volunteers. Jared of the GM, it's ESPN 1025 The Game. This was supposed to be the year for the Bulldogs. Uh, they have the, one of the best, if not the best, offensive line in the country. They have Jake Fromm, who will unlikely be around next year. And remember, uh, Kirby Smart lost Justin Fields to Ohio State, who's the starter there, and Jacob Eason, who's the starter in Washington. He doesn't have a backup situation. So this is the moment for Kirby Smart. And with Dan Mullen re-energizing Florida, it could be closing if they don't win this game. This is a big game. I, I would say this is maybe the defining game right now uh, post uh, the national championship game of Kirby Smart's career. Fine bomb on Florida, Georgia. That is the headliner. Three games, Floyd. And I, I think that Florida, Georgia is... It's not the game of the season in the SEC because that will be next week, LSU-Alabama. And it probably is not, to me, doesn't have the same oomph as Florida-LSU had a couple weeks ago. And I think it was because we were dying for a big-time SEC football game. And then we got the big-time SEC football game with Florida-LSU. But 
But this might be the game that decides the SEC East. In fact, there's probably a pretty good chance that this game decides the SEC East. Now, we'll make our picks in six-pack picks. But I was thinking in my head, you know, I've been really impressed with Florida this year. And I, you know, felt like Georgia has left a lot to desire. Is that all because of expectations? Because the expectations for Florida weren't as high as they were for Georgia coming into the season? Or has Georgia just been more impressive than Florida? Well, I mean, has Florida I mean, been more impressive yeah, than Georgia? I think Florida's been more impressive because they've done more than we expected them to, you know, versus um, Georgia. I mean, Georgia's lost to South Carolina, kind of threw a wrench in everybody's machinery. So, um, you know, they, I mean, Florida has played but better than than people gave them credit for. And then finally, you know, the young quarterback went down and met up with a pretty good defense and struggled a little bit. So we'll have to see how he comes out of it. But. Well, you bring that up. I mean, to me, like, even though Georgia lost to South Carolina in maybe the most painstakingly way possible with how poorly they played in that football game, if South Carolina gave them every opportunity to win and Georgia just never capitalized on it. I haven't really been impressed with Georgia all season except for the first game against Vanderbilt, and that was just such an epic mismatch that it's not even worth discussing at this point. I haven't really, like, yeah, they they played a good game at home against Notre Dame, and yeah, they blew out Kentucky in the second half, but that game was scoreless going to halftime. I have not been impressed with Georgia at all. Flip it to Florida, and I think Florida's had some nice wins, some come-from-behind wins, and they they fought hard against LSU, and they're doing it with a backup quarterback who honestly is probably better than the starting quarterback. Right, and and I think they're in. You know, is going to lie the concern. You know, is he is how how is he going to play in a game of this caliber? I mean, the truth is, uh, LSU. I mean, uh, LSU game for Florida was a game of this caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, you know, these two teams haven't played in a. Because you can't find many games of this caliber simply because these two really, really good teams don't play each other. You know, they play every year, but they don't. It's not like they play every week. You know, you play LSU and then you play, you know, Mississippi. Then you play somebody mm-hmm. who's really good. So you're going back and forth. Um, but this is going to be a top notch game. I mean, this would be a biggie. Six o'clock, UAB Vols. I think I heard the morning show today say. Vols have to win by 14 points against UAB. I don't know anything about UAB other than the fact that their program got struck down. They brought it back. Bill Clark, their coach, has been very successful since they resurrected the program, and UAB is located in Birmingham. Other than that, I don't know anything about UAB. I mean, as much as I'm impressed with how the Vols are playing, I think it's still too premature to sit there and say, Vols need to win by 14 points against anybody. I just think the Vols need to win. Yeah, UAB is is really defensively one of the better defenses in the country. I mean, they have played well. UAB has won whatever they've won, six or seven. Um, but I want to say the, o- the only loss they had was against the only team with a winning record, Western Kentucky. So, you know, they haven't... The, the, they haven't beaten the who's who of college football, um, but the games they played, I mean, they've they're they're playing good. So it'll be you know it'll be a a battle. It'll be tougher than people give them credit for. Bye week last week for UAB.
Yeah. I would not. I mean, a month ago, we didn't even think they would beat UAB. And so now we're talking 14 points. Easy on the Vols should win by 14. And now. they're going to, you know, for UAB, I mean, this is a program setter. You know, you can list this as one of your top-notch achievements. Um, and for Tennessee, not to the extent, but this is a this is a little bit of reliving the opener. And hopefully... You would like to think that Tennessee has matured to the point where they realize that, hey, I don't care who you play. You can go out and get your butt kicked. We've already done that once. Let's make sure this does not happen again. We have somebody in the office who's a big Vols fan said to me today, Jared, I think the Vols are going to win out this year, and I think we're going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, whoa <laughs> After now. After South Carolina. Whoa yeah. now. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's not get too far ahead of our – I mean, I think the Vols have improved mightily. I think Pruitt's got them playing hard, and I think the leaders of the team are elevating the team, most notably Jennings, I think is really elevating the team. But uh, whoa now in terms of – getting on the Tennessee Vol bandwagon. But I'll say this, the, the, the last three weeks, you would not recognize this team compared to the no, first three weeks. Not at all. I mean, the first three weeks, you were it, it, it looked like, you know, some mid-major someplace trying to get the program. And the last three weeks, I mean, they've looked like legitimate, legitimate SEC team. What's Mike Vrabel always say? The story of football is who gets better throughout the course of the season, not yeah. just – who starts off well. And then finally, Vandy at South Carolina. That's also a night game. That's on the SEC Network. Uh, Vandy has stunk, and there's all the talk about whether or not Derek Mason's going to get fired. I have no idea if Mason gets fired. I don't think Mason should get fired. But then again, I've thought a lot of things in my life, and they've gone out there and done the opposite. So I don't know about this. It would be a huge win for Vanderbilt to win at South Carolina. And after the way South Carolina played against Tennessee, I'm going to give Vanderbilt kind of a chance in this game because Vandy played well against Missouri, so they showed me a little something. And then South Carolina, who was riding that high from beating Georgia and playing Florida tough, looked awful last Saturday in the second half against Tennessee. And I think that'll be the difference. You know, How are they going to respond after the loss to Tennessee? And if they respond the way you hope, then I think I don't think there'll be much of an issue. But you don't know which way they're going to go. And uh, and so therein lies the rub. And, and you know what? Vandy's had a little rest, and they're going to be cranked up, and they know they you know the same thing. A win over, over South Carolina is going to would be a big feather in their hat. So let's hope. And I agree with you. I mean, Derek needs to remain the coach there. I don't care. I mean, they, in my opinion, you can't find anybody better. Which, by so. the way, can I – that like, to me, that kind of says something with how – with you going out on – with you going out there and saying, don't fire that coach, because you're very noncommittal on coaches and coaching statuses, especially locally, but really throughout the entire NFL and college football, because you know if you say – like, if you were to say Dan Mullen should be fired – like, that's a headline of former NFL general manager says Dan Mullen should be fired. So you know that, and you carry that in there. And I, I respect that you sometimes won't go there because you know the weight that that carries. So for you to be the afternoon drive host of a very popular show in Nashville, to be saying, do not fire the coach, to me, that really speaks volumes to how you actually feel about that coach in that situation. Yeah, he's, he's doing a fantastic job in a in a near impossible situation. And and the most important thing in my mind 
is he's doing it with a smile on his face. You know, he comes to work every day, works his butt off, does every single thing he can. You know, he's not griping and moaning about what he doesn't have and what other these other teams have. He just goes to work and tries to play the best football he can. You know what else we do with smiles on our face? What's that? Six-pack picks. Uh, I don't know what games Ian has picked. I'm hopeful Ian has picked the Vol game, but I'm going to guess he didn't. But we'll have Ian. I know SMU Houston will be on there. I or I mean, excuse me, SMU. Um, Are you sure? Memphis. Memphis. Are you sure? Yes, I okay. am sure that'll be on there, and I am sure that Georgia Florida will be on there, and then we'll see the NFL games. Clearly, Jags Texans will be on there, and then Patriots Ravens. Maybe I'm, I'm trying to guess the game since Floyd no longer lets me know. Let's us. Know what the games are before we pick them. Six. If there would have been, if it would have been us, it would have been fine. But it wasn't us. It was you. Ryan asked my opinion of what game to yeah, pick that the fans not only would care told about. Him, not even told them which games to pick. I mean, you had your scores all fixed before you ever got started. Liar. Coming up next, six-pack picks, Fireball Hot Take Friday. Hey, if you've got the hottest take of the day, you'll win a pair of tickets to the last waltz and all-star celebration of the band's historic farewell concert at Bridgestone Arena, Saturday, November 23rd. A very special appearance by Robbie Robertson. Darius Rucker will be part of the event along with Michael McDonald, Emmylou Harris, Vince Gill, and many more, and a Fireball t-shirt. Fireball Sin Whiskey, everyone knows there's no better way to kick off the weekend than with ice-cold Fireball Sin Whiskey. Goes down so smooth and tastes so great. That's why, if you're like me this weekend, celebrating a wedding. In fact, a buddy of our show is getting married. I won't be there, but a buddy of our show is getting married. Gotta have some Fireball Cinema Whiskey. Ignite the night. Please do it responsibly. Be 21 years or older to enjoy. That is Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. Jared and the GM, CSPM 1025, the game streaming on the Game Nashville app. Roman Yossi got paid. Jared and the GM. By the way, Preds tomorrow, special time, 1 o'clock. Why the 1 o'clock start? It is the European game of the week in the NHL. What is that like, the European version of Sunday Night Baseball? I guess. First, I'm hearing of it. Because there are no games of the week in hockey. I mean, I know they have Hockey Night in Canada, but that's in Canada. I'm talking about in America. Yeah, they have the NBCSN maybe Wednesday on NBC Sports Network, maybe like a Wednesday night. It used to be like a Wednesday night rivalry or something like that. Yeah, now, though, it, the problem is is they have hockey on Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, and Monday nights on NBCSN, so I don't... More hockey, the better. Fine hey, by me. Yeah, sure. Why not? Put it on TV, and if I don't want to watch it, I won't. And if I do, I will, which I am a little thankful for. It is time now for Six Pack Picks, the big six picks of this week. We will break it right down. Ian Safar in the update studio. Who? Who, who, who is leading right now floyd is leading but barely you were both two and four last week now we suck yeah and your season <laughs> records are not very great floyd is at 23 and 33 and jared is at 22 and 34 surely if we just pick the winners like pick the favorites each week we would be more ahead than we are now oh like, we just I, picked whoever was I, I, without a doubt yeah, because floyd, i floyd Jer- got michigan and the titans last week oh my god when he said michigan I said when he his reason for Michigan being the exact opposite reason I picked against him, I thought, oh, no, dummy, why did you pick Notre Dame? And you got Ohio State and the Titans. And you were right on the Titans score, kind of. You just had 28 to 25. No, no, no. Did I not get the Raiders? I have Texans written down. I picked the Texans? That's what I have written down. I can yes. double check. But No, you're right. I think I picked the Raiders. No. 
I was celebrating myself having picked the Raiders. I think I picked the Raiders. I would like an official review. Okay, I don't have the sheet in front of me. It's it's in the in the other room. That's okay. For right now, I will take my one game deficit, but I am playing this under protest. Ian started off for us. All right, time wise, we will start uh, with the best game from the best conference. Two thirty, CBS, Georgia versus Florida in Jacksonville. And let's see, Georgia is minus six. Who goes first, Floyd? Uh, Jared. He always has me go first. I will take the Bulldogs, but this is a very (laughs) tough choice for me. Only because I think Georgia knows they absolutely have to have this game to save a just dreadful start to their season. But I do like the play of Florida and Kyle Trask. I think it's going to be a good game. Give me Georgia, though. I think they probably win by a touchdown. I, I like Georgia, too. I like Georgia. I think their offensive line, Florida's defensive line is is really talented. Georgia's offensive line is a group of giant men. Uh, they're going to run the ball. I think they will end up crushing the defensive line a little bit. Uh, and I think that will hurt them when it comes to all the pass rush stuff. Uh, and and I worry, you know, they've got a veteran quarterback to this young quarterback that's still kind of struggling. Now, Georgia doesn't have any receivers, so they are going to have to run the ball pretty well. All right, moving on. UAB going to Knoxville, taking on the Tennessee Volunteers, 6 o'clock ESPNU, excuse me, and UT is minus 12 and a half, Floyd. Uh, I'm going to go with UT. I, I think the way they are playing, I mean, if you can beat South Carolina by what you beat South Carolina, if they continue to improve a little bit uh, in the way that they've been playing, then I think they're going to be in good shape here. I'm going to go UAB. I think this will be a close game. The uh, I think the Vols will probably win, but not by two touchdowns. UAB has been very impressive this season. Vols, who's going to play quarterback? What's the situation there? I think that's worth discussing. I think this will be a close game. Tennessee pulls it out, but I'll take UAB to cover. All right, and then the other game, we will stick in the SEC. Vanderbilt going to South Carolina, and it is 630 SEC Network. And South Carolina is minus 15. Woo, that's a lot of points. I'll go South Carolina. I think Vanderbilt's win over Missouri was kind of a freak. And it's a little bit because of Missouri might not be very good. So I think with that being said, I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to roll right here, right now. I'm taking South Carolina. I'm going to take South Carolina, too. I think after last week's drubbing, they're going to respond well. Uh, Vandy is, as we all know, you know, struggling a little bit. And uh, and uh, South Carolina, I think South Carolina will put it on them. Moving on to the NFL, Wembley Stadium, 8.30 a.m., 94.9 Game 2, NFL Network, Texans versus the Jaguars, Houston, minus one and a half. Floyd. I'm going to go with Houston. Uh, and and I, 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 the one and a half is okay. If it would have been m- much more than one and a half, 
I'm not sure I would have, but because this game has always been pretty close. And uh, and I think that right now Houston is on the way that they're playing, especially the way the quarterback is playing, that they're kind of on a little bit of a roll here. So it's funny. I actually was thinking when Ian said Houston versus Jacksonville, I was thinking the number was going to be around four, and I was like, Houston. And if it was going to be five, I would have said Houston. And if it was six, then I would have, you know, then it, then it would have been a little bit of a question. Uh, and then the first, he says one, I go, oh, got to take the Texans. Give me the Texans. I think the Texans get it done in London. I, I think Jacksonville kind of falling apart. And it'll be good for Jacksonville so then they can get Foles back in for Minshew. The first CBS game, Colts at the Steelers. CBS, noon. And it is an even pick em line in this one, Jared. Oh, easy. Indianapolis. Easy. Colts. Colts big. Andy's going to... Easy. Indy. Even. Yeah, what are the Colts playing the JV squad? I mean, what is going on here? I mean, I got to go Indy, too. I don't know. Were they impressed by the win over the Dolphins? I, I don't know. I mean, it must be them going outside. I, I mean, if now if the receivers hurt, that'll make a difference. But yeah, Indy, I'll go with Indy. All right, and then the Titans traveling to Carolina to take on the Panthers and CMC Christian McCaffrey. Also noon CBS, and it is Carolina minus three and a half. Oh, man, this is a tough one. But you're up first, Lloyd. Uh, Let me think. What's today? Thursday? Okay, I'll take Tennessee. Technically, it's Friday, but... Yeah, for me. I'm trying to get my days right. (laughs) I'm taking Tennessee uh, because I've gotten on a little roll with how I picked this Tennessee team, and and they keep winning, so I'm, I'm on my roll. Well, he's picking it that way. I'm going to take the Titans, and I think I'm betting with my heart and not my head because I I do think I want to pick Carolina, and I, I kind of feel like Carolina's going to win. But Ryan Tannehill is just breathing something special into the Tennessee Titans. So I will go Titans 22, Carolina 21, Titans win at Carolina, where traditionally they have been very strong. Not to say that that really means anything with this game, but they have been good at Carolina in the past. Uh, And so I will take the Titans, and I don't know why, but I'm taking the Titans. That's hope. That's it for us. We're out of here. Of course, Floyd will be back Sunday, 930 for the pregame show. Titans, Carolina on Sunday. Chase and TD are next.